Well, I said it once once before already, and I'm going to say it again. I know that today is Super Bowl Sunday. Go Seahawks. Yeah, for you Patriot fans, I don't, I, I don't like the Patriots that much, so go Hawks. Yeah. But, you know, I know that, that, that you know, many of you want to watch the game, and so, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of that. And so I will tell you that, I don't know, it just fell this way, that, that what we need to talk about today, um, really the two things are kind of, they're similar, they kind of feed off each other, so it's going to give me the opportunity to kind of streamline the message today. And so I promise you that you'll get out of here in time to watch the Super Bowl. I won't be up here no more than 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 minutes. <laughs> no, I won't be up here that long. But listen, here's what I will ask you to do. Over the next 15 or so minutes, I want you to focus on being here, being fully present here, and petitioning the Lord within your spirit for what he might say to you through the word of God today. So be fully present and expect what the Lord wants to say to you today. We're in a series of a title called to lead. This is the fourth week. And, um, and I've, I've titled this sermon, Answering the Call. So it's really at the fourth part of this this sermon, answering the call. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3 beginning at verse 1. I'm actually going to have to turn to it because I actually have verse 2 here. guys there? Okay. Paul writes, he says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, an elder, bishop, pastor, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, We're going to stop right there. We're going to focus on two characteristics today, and that is sober-mindedness and self-control. Sober-mindedness and self-control. So let's just dive right in. When Paul speaks of sober-mindedness, the word really is temperate, and it, it really means being calm in judgment. person that is sober-minded or temperate is or temperate is balanced and not given to excess uh, or extremes in their judgment. They're not enslaved to anything in terms of their judgment. They're sensible and wise in judgment. This word really speaks to the idea of an objective thinker, someone who can think with a clear perspective. That's what sober-mindedness means. A sober-minded person, though, isn't free from the influences and passions and emotions and lust of the flesh or the enticement of personal ambition. But a sober-minded person is less prone 
to rash decisions or, or actions because in most cases, a sober-minded person will have already thought through the situation and, and then is, has positioned themselves to take appropriate actions in spite of the influence. And so Paul's term here really refers to a leader because he's talking about if a man desires the office of an overseer or an elder, he's really referring to a leader who is sober in his thinking. Sober-mindedness is my ability to think clearly and rationally in any given situation. Self-control takes it one step further. Self-control is my ability to act rationally when faced with circumstances that I've already thought through. Okay? Self-control. A self-controlled person is not given to immature outbursts or irrational actions. To be self-controlled this describes a person who's trustworthy and, and balanced in judgment, not flighty or unstable in their corresponding actions. And that's why self-control, family, is an essential characteristic for a leader, an overseer in the church of God. As leaders of God's church, overseers are required to model this quality. And as an elder, an elder is supposed to be in control of himself and not given to anger, not given to personal ambition, not given to, to be overwhelmed by their own personal passions. An elder must, through demonstration, prove that he's able to daily, under the power of the Holy Spirit, live a life that is above reproach. That's what scripture says. So self-control is. But self-control, family, isn't just for church leaders. All followers of Jesus Christ are called to live a life that is self-controlled. Self-control, scripture tells us, is, is the evidence of the spirit of God that resides on the inside of us. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 says that self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Now, Here's what I don't want you to miss. I believe that you can be sober-minded and lack self-control. Remember, sober-mindedness sober represents clear thinking and, and balanced judgment. But clear thinking and balanced judgment without control over my flesh will result in doing things that you clearly don't want to do. Great intentions, but my flesh gets in the way. You know, today we're, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and, you know, I think the two best teams are playing. Right, I do. I think, although I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I wish my Steelers were playing. I, I really do think the two best teams are playing, but listen to me. These men that are out there on that football field, every single one of them have been playing football for a long, long time. And probably from the time that they were tiny tots in peewee football all the way now to, to playing in the NFL, they have been taught to make sure they keep their emotions under control. Right? For those sports fans, you know what I'm talking about, right? But I promise you that if this game today is heated and it's coming down to the wire, that some of those men 
their emotions are going to get the best of them. And though they have been taught for a long time that if somebody punches you on the slide, don't retaliate, somebody today is going to retaliate. Right? And it's always the person that throws a second punch that gets the flag. Right? You can have the best intentions. Here's the point. You can have the best intentions and the best training, but sometimes if you don't keep your flesh under control, you will lose control. Just because you are sober-minded doesn't mean that you have self-control. Hmm. Sometimes great intentions are in my mind, but I don't, I don't live them out. I lack self-control. Some of you do too. Like when we need to hold our tongues. Mm-hmm. Like not being able to hold our tongues when we know that we shouldn't say something, but then we say it. And then we wrestle with the fact that we said it, and why did we say it? Or you know you shouldn't do something, and you end up doing it anyway. And then you wrestle with the fact, why did I act that way? Right? Listen, when we say what we please, when we please, we often say the wrong thing. When we do what we please, when we please, we often do the wrong thing. And where there's no self-control, this is bound to occur. See, it's a lack of self-control that allows my flesh to pull me away from the things that I should be doing into the things that I have no business doing. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. Hmm. Think about that. A man without self-control, and a woman too, by the way, is like a city broken into and left without walls. Hmm. And when the wall that's missing is the, is the wall of self-control, our self, our flesh has free reign to rule and control us, to govern us. And the pull of the flesh, family, is a powerful thing. We cannot control the pull of the flesh in our own strength. We are powerless to control our flesh without the power of God on the inside of us. And the power of God is resident in every single follower of Christ who surrendered their life to the authority of Jesus Christ. I love how Paul puts it here in, in Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. I'm going to read this out of, out of the Message Bible because I think it really speaks to our inability to govern our flesh without being under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. I love the way the message puts this. Paul says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I, if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, 
I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. Oh, I delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Man, how many of you can relate to that? Hmm. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled, everybody say pulled, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. And those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under the continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a, fate, a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. The power of Jesus Christ can take anything that you're, that you're struggling with right now, trying to control on your own. The power of Jesus Christ can help you to overcome that thing. By the power of Jesus Christ, there should be nothing in your life that's a stronghold that you can't overcome. I feel my preach coming on right now. Somebody say, preach it, pastor. pastor. Y'all have me grabbing my ear here in a minute. Hmm. Self-control is continually saying to God, yes. And when we continually say yes to God, who gives us the power to say no to our flesh, he empowers us to say no. So anger, sex, any other addictions like alcohol, drugs, my inability to control my tongue, any of these things can have free reign in our lives if we're not operating under the power and the authority given to us by Jesus Christ. You see, the fight against the flesh will never go away. We're helpless to wage war against it in our own strength. Watch this now. The mastery of self or self-control is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And without the power of Christ, our human spirit is simply powerless over the desires of our flesh, watch this now, which are contrary to the Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. But listen, the Holy Spirit resides in every follower. Every born-again believer has a healthy dose of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, oh, see, now I am feeling my preach on now. Listen, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. And is in you, and is in you, and is in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is nothing in our flesh that can, that can create a stronghold that the mighty power of God cannot destroy. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live triumphantly over sin. There is no sin that can overtake us if we will operate daily under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us self-control when our self is yielded to his power. I believe I will. Thank you very much. Got my amen corner back there. But here's the key. We must choose to walk in the spirit. I love what Paul says about this in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16, unless you can bring your team up. See, I told y'all I'd be brief, didn't I? But listen to this. Don't miss this. This, this. this passage is powerful. Paul says, he says, listen, he says, but I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay. We, know, we, used to, we used to have this, this saying when we were in church, you know, I thank the Lord for being here, thank the Lord for being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. With a mighty burning fire, pray for me, saints, pray my strength and allow it. Right? I've said this before, I want to say it again. God's Spirit is holy. And if I am full of the Holy Spirit, there is no room for any helly spirits. See, it's the helly spirits that try to take control of us that cause us to lose self-control. But when our spirits are governed by the Holy Spirit and we are full of the Holy Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit. And Paul says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, slow down, Pastor. Okay, I believe I will. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Everyone say self-control. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit 
that should be evident in each one of our lives. I said it once or twice or three times, I'll say it again. There is no demonic force, no evil influence in this world that is stronger than the power of God. None. <laughs> and under the power of God, under his influence, he gives us self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Self-control. You know, it's not always the big things that get us when it comes to self-control. Sometimes, like Scripture tells us, it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. We live in a world, family, where everything is immediate and instant. Decisions come so fast these days that if we're not careful, we won't slow down even long enough to examine whether what is coming at us is really from God and his will for us or is coming at us as part of the desires of our flesh, our flesh talking. Every day we're exposed to hundreds, sometimes even thousands of choices that we need to make, each presenting an opportunity to suck the Spirit of God right out of us, suck up our time, our energy, our focus. Not, they're not always big things. Sometimes it's little things that add up. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google+. Skype, FaceTime, real time, email, voicemail, snail mail, text mail. Huh? Come on, somebody. Everybody know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to scare some of y'all right now. This is a scary thought. When is the last time you cut your phone off for two days? Somebody said, oh, Lord. When is the last time you cut your phone off for just two days to get alone with Jesus? Is that thing controlling you? When is the last time you cut your computer off and came off of the internet to spend some time alone with Jesus? See, it's, it's not, it's not all, always the big things like, like adultery or fornication. It's not always those. Sometimes it's the little thing. It's the little things. It's the little things. I'm going to challenge you with this question as I close today. What area of my life do I need to exercise more self-control? I promise you that if you ask yourself that question, and that question rises to the surface, you'll see that that area of your life has not been surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And listen to me. If that, if that thought is going on in your mind right now, if that... If that challenge and that concern is in your mind right now, it's not me speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit getting your attention. Why don't you stand with me?
You got to know that the message always comes to the messenger first. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, let a man examine himself. So I do some soul searching this week, family. I don't want anything controlling me except for the Spirit of God. That's it. I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God even in my sleep. How about you? Close us out in prayer today, Lance. We're going to sing a song. We're going to go, but I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit search your heart today. See if there's anything that you haven't relinquished to His control. And if there is, try it. Try it. And see if by surrendering those, that, that vice in your life to Him, that He doesn't give you the Father, your, your word declares, I believe it was David in Psalms 139, it says, try me, test my heart, see if there's any unrighteous thing that's in me, and if there is, show me, and I'll surrender to you so that you can blot it out, because I don't want to be controlled by anything or anyone, I want to be controlled by you, and that's it. Will you help us to exercise self-control in those things that you revealed to us in this time, Lord? Give us the courage to surrender them to you. Lord, we pray for the sick, those who aren't among us because they're sick, those who have lost loved ones today. It's part of our family, Lord. We, we hold them up to you. Ask, Lord, for, the, for the, those that are sick that you heal their bodies, those that are afflicted. Levon, Levon Scott comes to mind and Roger Brown comes to mind. Those that are laid up on bed rest, Lord, will you heal their bodies in the name of Jesus? Hmm. Yeah. And Lord, as we sing this song and we go out, take us from this place but not from your presence and let the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit govern our hearts and minds and unite our hearts together because we are family. Help us to love each other and love you just like family does. Till we meet again. In Jesus' name.